Hi, I'm Don Mackey, and welcome to the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. This show is focused on providing strategies to empower community success and vitality. Each episode will feature interviews with cutting-edge rural development thought leaders and community practitioners, remarkable entrepreneurs from business, government, and nonprofits, and by sharing the learnings of E2 entrepreneurial ecosystems. Connect with me, learn more about E2, and subscribe to this show at energizingentrepreneurs.org. Welcome to Pathways to Rural Prosperity. I'm Shelly Pash, business specialist and ecosystem builder for Kansas Main Street, and I will be your host today. I am joined by Don Mackey with E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems, hosted by Network Kansas. Don has worked in the field of community economic development throughout North America for over 40 years with a deepening focus on entrepreneur-led economic development. Hello, Don. Hi, Good day Shelley. to you. Yeah, <laughs> no, looking forward to our conversation today. Thanks for another session with our podcast. Oh, well, heck, thank you for all of the great information. I've got pen ready. I've got paper ready because I don't want to sit there and start typing and everybody starts hearing the clickety clack of that. So today, as I mentioned, we are talking about regional development and rural entrepreneurial ecosystem building. Are you ready? Let's do it. <laughs> all right. In previous podcasts, I know we've talked about E2's likely entrepreneurial development opportunities. In this edition, Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast, we are exploring regional development. So you've emphasized that communities are primarily responsible for their development. So how does regional development fit, especially when Right. At times, communities can't or won't talk or work amicably or play nice in the sandbox together. So how does that work? Well, I think there's a number of considerations. Now, at the end of the day, each community is responsible for its own future. And so the communities have to choose. So I kind of see regional development and collaboration as a value added. Doesn't mean that a community on its own, that island out there, can't figure it out and thrive. We've got communities that have done that. But the fact is, there's a number of reasons why communities should work in regional collaboration and why regional development organizations can be such a powerful resource for local communities. The first is, let's just be honest, Economies and societies are regional. Even in, you know, frontier rural landscapes, there are relationships between villages and towns and countryside with that micropolitan community that anchors a region. And so to the extent that we can work together, that really helps in terms of our ability for success. I think there's a couple of other things we'll get into it maybe a little later, but the fact is, it's best to build entrepreneurial ecosystems at a regional level where each community is responsible for reaching out and engaging their entrepreneurs, but taking advantage of maybe loan pools, mentoring programs that are provided regionally. Because scale matters. Our ability to do sophisticated things requires more people, more money more organizational capacity. And when communities work together through regional development organizations, what we know from the field, Shelley, is those regions, those communities do better than those that do not. Certainly, right. They thrive just by collaboration alone. So in your regional development strategy guide, 
you share some pretty powerful examples of rural-focused regional development organizations. So I will ask you, please, 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 please share. (laughs) Well, and I can't run the whole list, but in the paper it talks about, but I have my favorites. And I always start with the Appalachian Regional Commission because it was created by the federal government. It's been at work in 13 states for a very long time. And what's interesting is they have been tracking the same performance metrics for decades. And they benchmark counties in the Appalachian region to the national averages. And over those years, more and more counties have come to what they call attainment. They have socioeconomic indicators that are comparable to the national average. And so we know that this can make a difference, and that's probably the longest running at scale, multi-state, regional collaboration in the United States. But I think there's some others, and some of these are really close to home. Four that are right in our home country, here in the heartland of America, an organization I have great affection for, the Nebraska Community Foundation. I just got their latest metrics. You know, about 25 years old, modeled after the South Dakota Community Foundation. And think about it. 249 communities and organizations collaborate through the Nebraska Community Foundation to mobilize resources and to strategically invest. Now, they're working through a community foundation model with affiliates, but combined, those organizations and communities now have nearly $160 million in permanent endowments that's generating income every year that can be reinvested into community economic development. And, you know, they've got another $60 million that they anticipate they'll receive. I'm convinced that by the end of this decade, this institution will have a half a billion dollars collectively. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, and the other thing is, because there's a network, Nebraska Community Foundation and its partner communities are now leading the way in affordable housing, early childhood education, Main Street revitalization, something close to your heart, and now entrepreneurship with a new initiative called E3, stands for Energizing Entrepreneurial Ecosystems that's going to bring entrepreneurship through a community approach similar to what goes on in Kansas. So that's a favorite. Another one is the Minnesota's Initiative Foundations created by the McKnight Foundation. Again, about 25 years old. So we've got a lot of examples that have been at this long enough that we can actually see cause and effect. And those Initiative Foundations have reinvested almost $200 million into everything from childcare to economic development. And they're really neat because they're a hybrid foundation. They do philanthropy, but they're also an economic development corporation. So they do business development. And one of the interesting initiatives out of the Southern Minnesota Initiative Foundation, there's six of these that serve rural Minnesota, is the REV Initiative modeled after Network Kansas. And that stands for Rural Entrepreneurial Development Venture. Again, It just speaks to the power of these. I could go on and on. There's the Ford Family Foundation in Oregon. There's the Iowa Area Development Group in Iowa. Of course, we'll talk probably about Network Kansas organization you're familiar with. Yeah, yeah. Who are those guys? What did they do? Who are those? Yeah, Yeah. So those are some samples. And in our paper, we talk about others. But having those kinds of organizations who can partner with communities 
like I say, those regions look different in rural America when compared to those that don't have this kind of infrastructure. Right. And, you know, some of the things that you had listed with housing and daycare and Main Streets revitalizing and and all of that, it's just those are top things that I've heard for the last, you know, 15 years that I've been doing this. So, I mean, and you've been doing it even longer. So to hear these, I mean, it's just still, it's incredible to hear such efforts that have been impactful throughout the Midwest, for sure. Well, and as you know, when you have these learning networks like you have through Kansas Main Street, communities are inspired, challenged, educated by what other communities do. They take that knowledge. And, you know, the whole history of human progress is rooted in learning from others, applying that to our reality, our aspirations, and doing innovation in our community that leads to success. And and that's why you know, everybody said, well, gosh, I don't know how you provide affordable, high quality early childhood education and care. Well, you know, in my home state of Nebraska, the Nebraska Community Foundation has a growing number of rural communities that are actually leading the way in creating community centered child care solutions. And that's positioning them for attracting young families because, man, if you're a single parent or a couple, and you got kids, having high quality childcare that also is advancing the educational capabilities of your children, that's a huge comparative advantage for those communities. Absolutely is, it is. It's incredible to hear those things are happening and they can, and you know, in the Main Street world, we always like to say R&D, rip off and duplicate. So if it's working (laughs) somewhere or if you've heard it, bring it back to the table and see, you know, maybe the stars didn't align at that point but certainly have those collaborations that happen. So uh, that's incredible. That's really cool. So there was a few podcasts ago, as I have some notes here, you shared that entrepreneurial ecosystem building is optimized when there's a top down and a bottom up strategy, maybe where, you know, those collaborators can meet in the middle, right? So explain the top down, bottom up strategy concept for our listeners. Yeah, and I'm going to actually share it with a story because I had a really fascinating conversation. As you know, people find us, I don't know how, and <laughs> and I get these cold calls, can I talk to you? And at this stage in our work, I always try to do those calls. And I got a call from a really inspiring young woman, and Nor is working with a project called Democratizing Entrepreneurship. And the whole idea is, how do you do entrepreneurship in a way that it benefits more people in your community? And and of course, the title really intrigued me. So I did an hour conversation with Nor yesterday, and this topic came up because part of what they're trying to do is advise governors and legislators across the United States and how they can enact policies to support entrepreneurship. But they want to do it in a way that it's community-centered and empowers residents. And of course, those are important values in our work as well. So I talked to her about how could state policy do what the state of Kansas did? And that is with the Economic Growth Act of 2004 that created Network Kansas. The state of Kansas didn't create a program it runs, but it empowered an initiative And I think key to the success of whether it's the Nebraska Community Foundation or the Ford Family Foundation in Oregon 
or Network Kansas is they're using this top-down model. And so there's a regional or a statewide group. In this case, Network Kansas is statewide, as you know, works in both rural and urban communities. Its mission is to serve underserved entrepreneurs, which I think is just a very simple North Star to say, this is what we're about. How do we figure out how to do that? But the advantage is you have this statewide group that's paying attention to innovative practices, resources, financing, but at the end of the day, whether it's Norton, Kansas, or downtown Wichita, or the Black Chamber of Commerce in Kansas City, Kansas, those communities are defining who are their entrepreneurs, what are their needs, and then they can partner with Network Kansas to say, how can we build a loan fund? How can we build an investment fund? How can we find a program that would really help our residents succeed in entrepreneurship? And so I'm a real firm believer that if we were to make an investment in entrepreneurial ecosystem building, it would be to grow more initiatives like Network Kansas throughout the United States with the idea that at the end of the day, they're going to partner with local communities. That could be a Main Street program. It could be a rural community. It could be a distressed urban neighborhood but in terms of saying, how do we develop solutions that are gonna allow people in those communities to find the financing, the technical assistance, and the pathways to success? And we know when we do that, we build better communities. We build communities people wanna live in, that people feel proud of, they have some control over their destiny. And so we think that's the ideal model this is a lot harder to do if you're a rural community and you don't have a support system. That's why the Ford Family Foundation in Oregon is now supporting GROW, Growing Rural Oregon, which is an e-community strategy with the idea that they're going to build a statewide support system, but then they're going to partner with local communities throughout Oregon because it's a pretty diverse state when you think about the tourist communities on the coast the mountain communities, the timber communities, the ag communities, you know, a lot of diversity in that landscape. But through this model, they can support it from the top down with energy and initiative and clarity from the bottom up. I love that. That's pretty cool. What did you say the name of her organization was? It's called GROW. It stands for Growing Rural Oregon. And it's a new initiative. It's now working with three communities. They're getting ready to go find another three communities. And the Ford Family Foundation is really neat because it was created by a family that made their money in timber. So they were those classic Pacific Northwest, cutting the logs, milling them, producing timber for the American economy. And what did they do? You know, back in the 50s, they said, Oregon, Northern California gave us our wealth. We're going to create a foundation that is going to give back to these rural communities. And it's a powerhouse. And the fact that it's supporting this initiative, again, a different model, not created by the state, but in this case, a foundation. But trust me, they've got the attention of the government in Oregon, other players in Oregon, that they can bring about this kind of top-down bottom-up strategy, learning from places like Network Kansas. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you've talked about it time and time again about the rural remigration that's gone on. So that's another reason to pay very much, even more attention to your rural communities and what's out there. And 
you know, I know Kaufman Foundation is doing a lot of stuff on helping the entrepreneurs rebuild better. And Victor Huang with Right to Start, looking at, you know, because everybody has a right to start a business, right? So it's very important. Relationship building is so top, top of everything to be able to have those and collaborate with those. Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of Victor, I, I folks haven't seen it. He just put out a video from Arkansas and it he is such a good story narrator. <laughs> yes. I really enjoyed listening to his piece. Important movement if people are interested. Connect with Victor and the Right to Work initiative that he's launched at this stage in his life. You know, successful Silicon Valley entrepreneur, got interested in ecosystem building, you know, spent some time with the Kauffman Foundation, has now launched this new initiative. An inspiration. I love it. I do love it. I've been helping him to try and find somebody here in Kansas so and see what they can do. So that's, yeah, it's super cool. So, of course, you've mentioned existing and successful models through Network Kansas, top down, bottom up and all that, you know, and we talk about, well, and I'm guessing you might want to share a little bit about Network Kansas and some other communities, some other organizations, I guess. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's a lot about Network Kansas because it's the longest running at scale entrepreneurial initiative in the United States, particularly with a focus on rural. And we're right now pulling together some new content, but we've got a paper on how they bring capital to entrepreneurs that will be making available to the public. But I think there's three emergent initiatives that I would highlight. The one is in Minnesota with REV, with the Southern Minnesota Initiative Foundation. They just brought on board their second cohort of communities. So Pam Bishop and her crew up in Minnesota, we've done a podcast and a paper on REV, and so we'll make that available. I mentioned GROW in Oregon, more emergent. And again, they tried to put this together and launch it during COVID, and man, that makes things tough. Nevertheless, they've got their first cohort of communities up and going, despite all the challenges of not being able to get and meet and communities being consumed by dealing with the crisis and now dealing with the aid that's come with the crisis. But we're doing a podcast later this year with Kathleen and Anne with the Ford Family Foundation focusing on GROW, and we've got a paper on GROW. So that would be one that we would mention. And then I am so happy, Shelley, <laughs> that in my home state of Nebraska, I mean, I've been doing this work, for, as you know, for a long, long time, and we finally have a serious initiative in Nebraska. So Kathy Lang with the Nebraska Business Development Center finally got us hooked up with SourceLink. So we now have SourceLink Nebraska. It's live. It's got over 600 resources. They're doing amazing things. So we've got that piece of infrastructure. And then last year, my friends at the Nebraska Community Foundation said, we want to do entrepreneurial communities. We want to create this top-down, bottom-up strategy. And six amazing communities coming out of the Nebraska Community Foundation network of over 200 community partners. And one of the neat things about that model is we're also using a peer learning model with it. So not only do you have these six communities, but they agreed over the next three years to get together every six months to come together for a 24-hour 
intensive convening where they will share what they're learning, they will counsel each other, they'll inspire and challenge. And then as we get in, so we're in year one with these communities now, but in year two, they will then reach out to at least six communities around them. So we'll go from six to 36 to begin to share what they're learning with the idea that they can build these kind of mini regional ecosystems. And so I just think it's a really innovative model. And again, whenever the Nebraska Community Foundation commits to doing something like childcare or affordable housing, they typically succeed. And so they're putting serious resources. There's a little bit of Kaufman money that's coming in to support it. Each community, these are all communities that have significant discretionary endowments have committed serious money to support the strategies that come out of this work. So I encourage folks to pay attention to at least those three initiatives, but through some new work with Dell Gines and others, you know, Dell. What? Yeah, there's a national <laughs> ecosystem guy. building network that's taking shape. Beth Zimmerman out of uh, Pennsylvania is going to be one of the staff people, one of the leaders in this field in the Northeast. And I just think we're going to have a lot more story capture around how people are doing this, using that top-down, bottom-up model and kind of creating that not competitive collaboration, but how can the region support communities, build their capacity, and in turn, communities can educate, inspire, and inform others in their region about how you do this work. Pretty neat, huh? Yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, if everybody could get into that mindset that, you know, it's not a race to the finish, it's certainly the, it's the slow and steady wins the race and making sure the collaboration and, oh my gosh, yeah, it's just, it's not a competition. You know, if I'm thriving, you're thriving. And if you're thriving, then the, my neighbor's thriving and the community and then the region and yeah. Oh, it's just a great snowball effect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. And I think we now have some structures, thanks to our friends at the Kaufman Foundation, are putting money into some really smart initiatives, you know, to Andy and the gang there. It does help to have a national partner who is willing to support this kind of on-the-ground, long-term development work. Right. And, and it's making a difference. I really yes. do. I mean, when you have those people at the a higher level, you know, that strategic level, but then like with Network Kansas, right, you've got the coaches that are in the communities that make it happen and they develop that trust in the communities. And, you know, it's the Sierras, the Sarahs, the, the Christies, the Jens that actually do that meaningful work. But you have to have, you have to have those people that are involved from the top and the bottom, not saying that, but, you know, and being able to bring it all together. Well, and I think another consideration, because everybody struggles to find money. I was just on a call with some folks in Oregon, and it's like, how do we pay for this? And we know that's a universal issue. I'm sure you run into that with Main Street Always. in Kansas, that yes. how do we pay for this? I'm sure it's Main Street everywhere, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's not easy, but I think it's interesting. You know, they just announced yesterday that the Patterson Foundation, a family foundation that's committed to communities in Kansas, has just provided Network Kansas a half a million dollars to say, we could create our own program, but why would we? We're going to invest in you to work with more Kansas communities, to hire more staff, to build your capacity. I think successful initiatives do attract capital. 
and support. And I think the whole story around the Patterson Foundation saying, we're not going to lodge something new. We're going to invest in somebody who's figured out how to do that. R&D, rip off and duplicate. Absolutely. It's just just such a good, feel-good story, but it's also smart on the part of the Patterson Foundation to say, we're going to double down on something that's working. Yep, I agree. That's awesome. Yeah, I did read that and I saw that. So it was a huge congratulations there. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think I've got my questions. I mean, I have a few more that I do need to ask you off here. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate you being our guests today for sure. So why don't you share with our listeners where they can learn more about the regional development resources that you've mentioned? You bet. And Shelly, it's always fun. So of course, we've got our standard resources. So if you're a regular guest, just remind yourself to go look at these things. Our website at energizingentrepreneurs.org, that's your go-to place. There's a lot of free resources. If you want to get access to all of our support to actually work with entrepreneurs, join our E2 National Practitioners Network. All you got to do is sign up and share with us once a year what you're doing, and you can access that entire resource library free of charge. Of course, there's our monthly newsletter, which is where you're going to learn about new content that we've found or resources that we've developed, and then, of course, our podcasts. Specific to this topic, we're going to be releasing our strategy guide focusing on regional development. We've been referencing that. And of course, uh, some of our other resources that relate to our likely entrepreneurial development opportunities. So some more content that is practical, field tested that Shelly people can use in their daily work. Perfect. So once again, Don, it has been my pleasure to have you as a guest and all of our best to you and your efforts to grow a stronger rural America, one community at a time. And to all those listeners that are doing the same. Shelly, thank you. Love doing these. Appreciate what you do for rural America as well. Thank you. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast. Head on over to energizingentrepreneurs.org where you can subscribe to this podcast and tap into more than 25 years of field experience from E2 Entrepreneurial Ecosystems. I'm Don Mackey, and I'll see you next time on Pathways to Rural Prosperity podcast.